You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. All right. Good morning, everybody. Okay. All right, as uh, Emma already mentioned, um, for, those, for those of you who are here for the first time, um, we are Victory Church of the, of the Bay Area, and we exist for two reasons. We are here to honor God and to make disciples, and, and we want to thank you for taking the time to be here with us this morning. Um, we hope and pray that, uh, that your visit here this morning um, will be yeah, an answer to your prayers, um, whether you were <laughs> aware of it or not but that uh, God would uh, touch your heart and uh, make himself known to you, make himself real to you, and that he would open your eyes for you to see the reality of his love. All right, um, we are beginning a brand new series um, this morning, and we have entitled this series, uh, Moving Forward, uh, Growing Through Discipleship. And, um, you know, the great thing about coming to faith in Christ, um, Jesus, when we, when we put our faith in Christ, Jesus, uh, something happens to us, we are regenerated, and Jesus calls that process being born again. And a lot of people think that uh, when you become born again by the Spirit of God, that's, that's it. That's the end game. No, being born again is just the beginning. How many of you know that uh, when you were born, that was the beginning of your, of your, uh, of your life, right? So it's a, it's a great adventure. And so when we put our faith in Christ, uh, that is just the beginning of what God has in store for us through Jesus Christ. And He wants us to grow in our relationship with Him. He wants us to grow through, um, through, through the process of discipleship. And Jesus said we are go, to go and make disciples of all nations. And so that's why we're here today. We are here to honor God and to make disciples and uh, we encourage you to be his disciple and also for you to grow in, a, in, in your relationship with him so that you can help others uh, become his disciples and grow in their relationship with, with Jesus as well. Okay? And um, now, this whole series is all about discipleship. This is going to be different be- because uh, we're basically going to touch on some of the things that, that really matter to us and and discipleship is one of our core values here in this church. So this sermon series will be instru- very instructional. Okay, um, we're going to be t- looking at the Bible as well, but we're going to touch on basically what's what's uh, what's our core value. Okay, and we're going to flesh that out, and we're going to look at what the Bible says about the topic of discipleship. Okay, so um, and um, and um, now discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. See, it is every believer's responsibility uh, to take care of their own spiritual growth. Okay? Tell your seatmate or the person next to you, it's your responsibility to grow spiritually. Okay? Unless you're a baby, we help you, but we don't, we don't baby you, we don't carry you the rest of your life. Just like... Just like us, when we were babies, we, we were very, very dependent, um, dependent on, uh, on our parents and other people. 
But as we grow up, we learn to walk, we learn to feed ourselves, we learn to take our own showers, we learn to make our own decisions. And as we grow and become mature, we, we don't depend, but we are interdependent. Uh, so we, we, um, we're, not, um, you know, we're not fully depending on people to take care of us, but we learn to take care of ourselves. But what we do, the Bible says, as a church, because we are a community, we, we, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that we have everything um, that we can give you so that it, it, you will be aided in your walk with Jesus Christ, okay? Amen? So, uh, when, when we all stand before God, He's not going to ask, who is your discipler, or who discipled you, or, or who's your victory group leader? He's not going to ask that, okay? He's going to look at your own personal relationship with Him. That's why it is your own responsibility, Okay? How many of you guys are married? How many of you are married here? Raise your hand. Okay, so are you just dependent on your spouse to keep your marriage good? Or are you, do you have the, the personal responsibility to contribute to that marriage so that it will be a great marriage? Does that make sense? So the same goes for our relationship with God. As disciples, we are. We take care of ourselves. And as the Bible shows us that there are qualities of disciples, uh, discipleship that that uh, we, we grow into, we progress, we mature, okay? So we're not talking about perfection here, we're talking about progress, okay? So for this whole sermon series, um, we're not looking at people who are, when we say disciples, they're not perfect, okay? Nobody's perfect here, and some of, you know, some of you are, are glad, All right? But if you're looking for a church that's, that has perfect people, that such, such church does not exist. Can I say that? You know why it doesn't exist? Why there are no perfect churches? Because we are in them. <laughs> All right? Uh, but the good thing is Jesus is, is sanctifying us through the Holy Spirit. And as we become more and more like him, he is perfecting us. And uh, the key here that I want you to understand is progress everybody say progress that we mature that we uh, grow spiritually and that we become spiritually mature in our relationship with Jesus okay so in this this is a nine-week sermon series you go whoa so because it's so important the topic of discipleship is important here we want to take the time to really unpack this because there are a lot of you here who are new you always hear us um talk about discipleship, so let's talk about discipleship for the next nine weeks, okay? And um, we're going to look at several places in the New Testament to see what, um, what the Bible says about discipleship and how we can have a better understanding of the qualities of a disciple that glorifies Jesus. So with this, we have our, these are our topics for the nine weeks. We're going to look at spiritual discipline, uh, essential doctrines. These will just be overviews, okay? And then we're going to talk about life change. If you're a disciple, that means uh, a mark of, of you being a disciple is that you, there is a change in your life, okay? And then you're, we're going to look at understanding the gospel and then preaching the gospel. And then uh, we're going to look at the mandate to make disciples. Um, we're going to look at church community which we will have a class on that today. Um, 
And then uh, we're going to look at the relational unity of the church, uh, you know, of disciples and having shared life, basically. So these are the topics that we're going to look at for the next nine weeks, starting today. Okay, and we're going to start today with the topic of spiritual disciplines. Now with that, I'd like to invite everybody to please uh, rise to your feet. Please stand up and open your Bibles to 2 Timothy. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you don't know where Second Timothy is, Genesis, Exodus, Second Timothy. <laughs> I'm just kidding, of course. So <laughs> it's somewhere towards the end of your Bible, okay? Second Timothy chapter one, verses six and seven. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And we ask that you would enable our our eyes to be opened and our hearts to burn with your truth and uh, enable us to receive, hear and receive, the truth of your word for this nine weeks, Lord, for as we talk about discipleship, Lord, may we um, understand and grasp, Lord, the different qualities of what a real disciple is and that we would learn to live them so that we may bring glory and honor to you. Lord, we thank you. We come to you this sermon and the rest of the sermon series. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have your seats. Thank you. Now, <clears throat> This is the Apostle Paul writing to his disciple Timothy, who, who, uh, whom he left uh, to be, become the pastor of the church in Ephesus at this time. And he said, um, he was encouraging the, uh, Timothy to stand firm, basically, to stand firm. And uh, here, Paul said, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power, love, and self-control. In some translations, it says um, uh, self-discipline or a sound mind, okay? Self-discipline, self-control, a sound mind. And uh, one of the characteristics of, of Christianity as compared to other religions is that it, we did not just merely received a set of rules, a set of do's and don'ts from God, but that we, are, we have been given an impartation of the life of God through His Spirit, okay, from the very life of God to enable us uh, to do what God requires of us to do. You see, God always calls us to things that are beyond us, that on our own we cannot do, but we can accomplish those through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Okay, um, and here in Paul's letter, in what we read here, he he describes um, the spirit, the manifestation of the spirit's working in his life as power, love, and self-control or self-discipline. These three, love, self, uh, power, love, and self-discipline, are spiritual virtues to be found in the lives of those who believe in Jesus. Okay, God, if you, how many of you are believers here? You're disciples of Jesus. This is what God gave you. He did not give you a spirit of fear, but He gave you a spirit of love, power, and 
self-control or self-discipline. Now, Paul, however, qualifies that although these spiritual virtues were given to Timothy as a gift, you notice here, it was given as a gift by God, but he had the responsibility, Timothy had the responsibility to fan it into flame. So God gives us the gifts. God gives us his life. God gives us his blessing. God gives us, um, you know, whatever, the the graces that he gives us, the talents. Um, But we are responsible for those which he gives us. Okay, for those things that God gives us, we are responsible to cultivate them, to nurture them, and to make them grow. Remember the parable of of the talents? When, uh, when 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 the ruler went on a journey... And then he entrusted um, some of his, uh, you know, some money to his uh, to his uh, followers, and he wanted uh, he wanted a return on his investment when he returns. So some some of them um, to some he gave uh, to one he gave five talents, to one he gave two talents, and to one he gave one talent. And then he left. And after some time he returned, and so he got an accounting of um, of the talents he gave to those people. And the one who was given five talents, you know, invested, his, invested what he was entrusted with, and he gained five more. So he has a total of ten talents. The one with two talents invested it, and he gained two more talents, so he had a total of four. But the one who, who uh, got one talent only was so scared, he didn't want to take the risk. He did not invest it, but he just kept it because he didn't want to lose it. So when he was given an account, when he was called to give an account, he said, "I, I, I was afraid, and you're hard. You're, you know, you're, you're, um, you're a hard man. You, you take what you did not uh, sow, and here I'm, I was afraid to lose it. That's why I just kept it." So, the master got mad at that man, at that person, took the talent and gave it to the one who had ten talents. Okay. And so what he was given, it was removed from him because he was unfaithful. It is our responsibility to take care of the giftings that God has given us. Because we will be called to account for those when we, when the day, on the day that we face God. Okay? Um, So our focus today will be on that last Phrase right there, self-control or self-discipline. In Acts chapter two, verse forty-two, it talks about, uh, it describes the first-century church. Okay, when the church was birthed after the Holy Spirit was poured upon the first disciples, and they were speaking in different kinds of tongues, and there were Jews from all over the different nations who spoke those 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 languages. They were in Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks. Okay, uh, because of the day of, and part of it is the day of Pentecost. So, the church was birthed after Paul, after they heard these people from Galilee speaking their different languages, and they were intrigued and they realized it was the Holy Spirit that was poured out upon them. And Peter preached, and and people believed, and about three thousand were you know became believers that in one day. And so that birthed the church. So the church now was born. It was it's, it's in it's in its infancy stage. And in Acts chapter 2, verse four, verses 42 up to 47, it describes the church uh, in its infancy. Okay? And uh, the, there were characteristics, there were essential characteristics uh, and the, um, of the church. 
and there were derivative characteristics. And in, in, in verse 42, it, it's, it reveals here the, the essential characteristics that basically speak of um, the life of the church, the, what they were devoted to. Look at this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Remember, during this time, they did not have this Bible that we know today. All they had was what we call the Old Testament. They did not call it the Old Testament then. Okay? You get that? Okay, so it is the, the, the canon of Scripture was not yet established. So the only Scripture they had at this time, okay, was the Old Testament. And they did not refer to it as the Old Testament. They referred to it as uh, basically the Law and the Prophets. Okay, their Holy Scriptures. But look at this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what did the apostles teach on? Okay, remember going back to Matthew 28. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, what did he tell his disciples? He gave them the Great Commission. He said, "Go." All, he said, all authority has been given to me. All authority in heaven, and, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always for the very end of the age. The apostles were teaching what Jesus commanded them to teach. So they were teaching all that they received from Jesus. So basically, when you talk about the apostles' teaching, it refers to the word of Christ. It refers to God's word spoken by Christ. And that includes the entire Old Testament and everything that he taught on that we see in, in the Gospels. Okay? So that is what they were devoted to. They were devoted to, basically, God's word. The apostles' teaching spoke, basically refers to the word of God being preached by the apostles. And then they, would, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Fellowship means uh, shared life. And that's what we're going to talk about in the last, uh, on the last week of this sermon series. Fellowship. Okay? And then they were devoted to the breaking of bread, basically to, 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 the, to the sacrament of communion, and also in, in building their relationship around, around, um, around the reality of Jesus. Okay? And then they devoted themselves to the prayers. So these things, these are activities and habits. Uh, these are essential characteristics um, uh, that they devoted themselves to. The, these, were, these were not things they just did one time. They did it consistently. And as you move along the book of Acts, you'll see that um, you know, they continued to meet together. Every day they met together in the temple courts and from house to house. Every day. They had victory group every day. Can you imagine? You think we're committed? We have victory group every week? I mean, these guys. I mean, they, in other words, they shared life together. Okay? They shared their lives. They shared their meals. They shared their homes. And they shared their lives together. And they were devoted to that. Okay? Now, uh, <clears throat> and as they were devoted to that, they were disciplined in maintaining these habits. How many of you are disciplined in some habits that you have? How many of you have good habits? How many of you have bad habits? 
that you want to kick out of your life? How many of you are disciplined? <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Um, a lot of us don't want to pay the price of the discipline, but we always desire the result of the discipline, don't we? Right? I mean, we want to we wanna look buff for the guys, but you don't want to pay the price of daily being in the gym and, you know, doing all, those, all that hard work and painful stuff, no pain, no gain things. But you always want to look buff. You know, you've seen those, those people in the gym, right? First day at the gym, they pick up a, a, a dumbbell, they do this, five of it, and then they go to the mirror. <laughs> you've all seen that guy, right? They don't want to pay the price of the daily discipline. I was watching, how many of you watched the game last night? <clears throat> uh, there was a particular move that Steph Curry uh, did. Uh, Pau Gasol was, was guarding him, and he was, he, he was ridiculous. His, his handles were just so awesome, and then Pau Gasol was just like that, and, he, and then Steph Curry just blew by Pau Gasol and just did a floater there. And Jeff Van Gundy, one of the, one of the game commentator said, you see that? You see, a lot of people want to do that, but you see, that is the result of hours and hours and hours of doing the same thing, of practicing that thing, you know, doing, doing the work. And that, you see, if we want, if we want uh, godliness in our lives, we have to establish godly habits. And those habits have to be done consistently and um, we have to pay the price. As we look at this word devoted right here, okay, this word devoted means, um, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to show you the Greek word for that, but <clears throat> the Greek word for this, for this uh, word devoted in English is, uh, it means to persevere devotedly. So it's not just being devoted, but to persevere. When you're devoted to something, that means no matter what happens, I'm sticking with this thing, right? When you're devoted to your spouse, you're going to stick with, you with your spouse, you know, and you go back to your vows, in sickness and in health, for richer or, for, for richer or for, some of you are saying for richer or for more richer, I mean, or more rich or something, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, in high times and the low times, in the good times and the bad times, I will be there. I'm sticking it out with you because I'm devoted to you. Okay? That's what devotion is. And uh, it's not just in the good times. It's also in the bad times that you stick it out. All right? And devotion means, to be devoted means to persevere devotedly, to persevere in some activity or cause to the point of devotion. So there's perseverance. There's an element of devotion that, that speaks of endurance. Enduring. Some of you say, oh, yeah, that's what I'm... That's what I'm experiencing every day in my marriage. I'm just enduring. But you see, this word devoted in this, in this, in this, uh, in this understanding requires self-discipline, doesn't it? It requires some level of discipline in your life that you have to say no to a lot of things so that you can keep this thing, so that you can persevere in this thing paying the price 
That's why when you, when you, in your marriage vows, you know, you made a commitment not, not to, not to play around with other, with other women or other, other guys, but you're going to be devoted to your spouse and only your spouse. All right? Self-discipline is foundational to the Christian life. Um, and since the Lord commands us to make disciples of all nations, uh, at the very core of being a disciple is a self-disciplined way of life. When you, when you say you are a disciple, okay, look at this. The word disciple, where do you think it comes from? What's the root word for it? Discipline. Okay? If you're a disciple of Christ, then you are living in under discipline. You, are, you have a disciplined way of living. Okay? And just as any prof- profession requires a certain amount of discipline to it, so does being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Right now, um, I'm, I just finished up. Uh, my, I just finished my, my, um, my, springs, my spring term for my master's. And it's hard. I mean, it's really hard. So, and sleepless nights and all. So, but going through that, I was telling my wife the, the other day, I mean, going through the pain of the studies and all, it's just so rigorous and it's emotionally and, and mentally draining. But the things that I'm learning are such gems that though I'm tired physically, my spirit is charged. It's energized. My faith is, is brought up to the, to, to, to the next level because of the things I'm learning and learning to apply in my life. But I wouldn't get those gems had I not gone through the hard work of plowing through all those readings <laughs> You know, and all those reflections and all. We get those things when we pay the price. Amen? The Apostle Paul also declares in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, and we all know this verse. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When you're a disciple of Christ, it means that your life has changed. That you're li- you are a new creation. You are not just a patched up creation. You were a sinner and you were just washed and thinking that you're, you're a believer. No, God has given you a new life. If you put your trust in, in Christ, you turn away from this life of sin and you receive the new life He gives you. That's why you are a new creation. Okay? But if you say you are a, a believer and yet still live here and desire these things and there's no change in your life, the only change in your life is that you're attending the church but your life never changed. There was, you know, there was no... Um, no crossing of the line. There was no transference of loyalty. There was no transference of allegiance from the world or your desires to Jesus Christ. Okay? But if you are in Him, you are a new creation. 
And since we have a new life in Christ, this means we are to live differently from the rest of the world. We are to live differently from the way we used to live before. Because we are a new creation, we are living out this new reality. And uh, this life is, you know, the, the old life was characterized by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. We, that means we, define, we allow ourselves to be defined by the things of this world. We allow ourselves to be defined by material things. You know, I am worth something if I have this amount of money. Okay, I am worth something if I look like this. You know, uh, a, lot of people, a lot of people are not content with what they look, how they look, how they are, and they're very confused with it. And... Um, they make the necessary changes because they think there's something else. And when they make that change, they discover that their life is still empty. Okay? The old life is characterized by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. A spiritually di disciplined life is actually the expression of the very life of Christ that you have received. Now, when you got saved, does that mean that you're, you've, everything about you, your habits, everything has changed? Not all of them. But God works in us progressively. Okay? He changes our nature first, our desires, and then He works out all the things, all the kinks <laughs> that we have and all the excess baggages. So that's why it's a lifelong process of sanctification. So discipleship is following Christ and learning more about your life and learning more about your struggles and learning more about your, the, the sinful tendencies you have and turning away from those things. I've been following the Lord Jesus for 30 years now. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 re I'm so different from what I used to be but where I am right now, there's so much more to learn. I'm still growing. Jesus is still revealing things in my life that I've been struggling with for 30 years since I met him. But he's been gracious to me. Okay? His grace abounds. But you see, it's not just about living differently for, just for the sake of living differently. The spiritual disciplines a believer engages in fosters a transformation in our lives. You see, God wants to bring that transformation in our lives. And if we stop changing, we stop growing. Every time, once, when you're growing, that means you are constantly changing. Okay, my second son, uh, Luigi. Um, where's Luigi? Are you here? There he is. So, so a few months ago, a few months ago, um, you know, he would always stand next to me to see if he's taller than I am. I said, you, no, you're not. I'm still taller than you. Every single day, and, and there are times that in a day, he would always check. He just checked like an hour ago. <laughs> you know? But all of a sudden, right now, he, he's hit his growth spurt now. He, start, he, just, he just started hitting his growth spurt now. And now he's taller than I am. I mean, significantly taller. I think probably about an inch taller. And he's only 14. And, you know, we know that, and we were, were thinking, he'll probably be taller than Josh. 
Okay, because when Josh was 14, he was not that tall. I was taller than Josh when he was 14. Okay, so... But here's the thing, and then, and then his voice starts changing. You see, when you're growing, you are changing. You can't grow and not change. And that's what discipleship does. Okay, it, it helps you grow in Christ. And that means if you're growing, that means you're constantly changing. You're being transformed. Okay? Spiritual disciplines will help you be in that path to receive the grace of God that brings transformation. Okay, spiritual disciplines are activities and practices that help develop our attitude and overall character of the believer. And these disciplines produce spiritual growth and maturity. If, you've been, if you say you've been a believer and uh, there's no change in you, um, maybe you're not walking in a dynamic relationship with Jesus. He just put on the label Christian and joined the church thinking that by doing so you are a Christian. No. You have to have your own relationship with Jesus. You can't rely on Pastor Neil to help you 100% of the time. You have to learn to be the one to feed yourself as well. You can't just wait for Sunday to hear God's word. You got to get your own Bibles and read it for yourselves. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through His Word. Come on now. Pick this Word up. Read this. And today we have, the, it's, easy, it's so easy. We, the Word of God is so accessible. We have it in our phones. We have it in our, in our devices. We have no excuse. We have the Word of God. Read it. Okay? And why am I emphasizing this? Reading God's Word, meditating on God's Word, reflecting on God's Word, listening to God's Word, praying God's Word, and obeying God's Word. These are all part of, a spiritual dis- of the spiritual discipline of, the de- of your devotion to the Word of God. Okay? Don't let your day be driven by CNN or Fox News. Let the Word of God, the good news, transform your life. Okay? So here. So what are the spiritual disciplines? And we're not going to go through all of them. We're just looking at the principle today that disciples have, um, you know, they have spiritual disciplines. They have habits that help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. Okay? Bible reading is one. Pray, prayer is one. Okay, that you talk to your father every day. Not just in a religious way, but in a really meaningful way. In a, you know that you have a relationship with him. Um, you pray not just in the morning. You, there are times, you know, even in, you know, in, um, there is a thing um, called practicing the presence of God. It's being aware of the presence of God at all times. That means you can communicate with him. He is your father. He, you are his child. You can talk to him anytime. He's never too busy for you. And you can talk to him while you're taking a shower. Okay? While you're, you know, while you're driving. If it's, 
if the traffic is bad, you know, just let that be a time to t- just talk to God. So instead of being riled up by the, by, the, by the traffic jam, you know, you're talking to God. And see how that changes your life. Um, so what are the, what, what are, what's the purpose of, of the spiritual disciplines? We entitled this sermon series Moving Forward because we want you to move forward with your relationship with Jesus. And when you talk about moving forward, that means you are growing. Okay? And the word disciple, okay, the word disciple in the Greek is, called, is mathetis. Everybody say mathetis. That is where we get the word mathematics, discipline. And the word mathetis, disciple, means learner. So we have to be learning. If we stop learning, we stop growing. We stop learning about God, we stop growing. Okay? And there's one thing I have learned. is this. That uh, I don't know everything. If you think you know everything, then you've stopped learning. You've stopped growing. We never graduate from learning. I'm looking forward to the day that I'm going to graduate with, with, in my, you know, with this master's program. But learning, being a disciple, you never graduate from that. So, the main purpose, the main purpose of the spiritual disciplines is to bring us into maturity and conformity to the image of Christ. First Timothy chapter 4 from the New American Standard Bible says there, verses 7 and 8, but have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women. You know, those old wives' tales, right? On the other hand, discipline yourself. Everybody say that. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. That is the purpose of the spiritual disciplines, of self-discipline, so that you can be put in a place where you will receive the grace of God for you to be become godly. Okay? <clears throat> discipline yourselves yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline. Or in the NIV it says there for physical training. How many of you love, love being in the gym? Okay? For physical training or bodily discipline is only of little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things. What good is a, a, a cut figure? Okay? If you're cussing everybody out. <laughs> Character matters more. Godliness profits more for all things. Godliness holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You see, from here, from this passage, we can learn um, from Paul's instruction, again, that the purpose of, God, of, of, purpose of the disciplines is godliness. And godliness is synonymous to, to um, being Christ-like or growing in your holiness. 
The father's vision has always been to have a great family of sons and daughters who reflect who he is. Okay? Um, so the main purpose of the spiritual disciplines is to bring us into maturity and conformity to Christ. And here's also the thing that the word here, the phrase here, uh, discipline yourself, okay? This is in the NASB. In, in the other translation, it says train yourself, okay? Train yourself. And that, fra- that word train is not actually, mate- ma- um, it's not matetis, but it, it is uh, gymnase. Everybody say gymnase. That's the Greek word. I'm mispronouncing it, I'm pretty sure. Okay? Uh, gymnase, which, uh, which is the word we derive, uh, the English word gymnasium. Okay? So, the word gymnase connotes to exercise. So, spiritual disciplines are like spiritual exercises that promote spiritual growth. When you exercise, what's going to happen to your muscles? They will become stronger and they will grow, right? So it depends on what you do, but they will be fit. They will be stronger. That's what happens when we, ex- when we do the spiritual discipline. So it's a spiritual exercise where we build up our faith. We build up our spirit, man, that our faith will be strong. We're not going to be weak in our faith. We're going to be always sharp in our faith, strong in our faith. Okay? How many of you... Want to, be, want to be strong in your faith and not be a weakling. Okay? That you're, you're, some people are so weak, they get offended by everything. I mean, they get offended by everything. Please give me trigger warnings first before you say anything offensive. <laughs> and these are habits of devotion. Everybody say devotion. You're devoted. You persist. You persevere in order for you to establish it consistently in your life. Persevere. So spiritual disciplines do not attain godliness. Spiritual disciplines will just put you in a place where you can receive the grace of God. Okay? The discipline themselves, Bible reading, prayer will not make you godly. It's what you receive from these things. It's what these things represent and do to you. When you read God's word, you're not just opening a book. You're not just reading a book. You are reading the very word of God that can transform your heart. How can your heart be transformed if you don't read the book? Make sense? So, as we're winding down here... God wants us to be transformed. And when we, when we talk about godliness, we're talking about Christ-likeness, becoming like Christ in character. Okay? So when we participate in God's uh, life through the spiritual disciplines, we receive a few benefits. First, the first benefit <clears throat> is, is this. We have fellowship with God. We have shared life with God. Shared life with God. I don't know about you, but that's something that 
nothing in the world actually can compare with that. You know, nothing in the world can compare with that. Fellowship with God. I have a shared life with God. I get to commune with Him. I get to be with Him. I, got, I get to relate with Him. I get to talk to Him, and he, gets to, and he talks back to me. Wow. Through many ways. Through His Word, through His people, through my wife, through, his, through the church. And, and, you know, God speaks to you if you are in a relationship with Him. We have a, relation, we have a fellowship with God. And the goal of spiritual life is the experience and, enjoy, and enjoyment of active relationship with God in all areas of our lives. Second benefit, aside from fellowship with God, is that we learn to respond to God more. Okay? We learn to respond to God more. There is a greater response uh, in our lives to God. The more you, you, you spend time with God, the more you get to respond to His Word. Before, when He would say things to me, I kind of negotiate with Him first. I mean, in the early days. Okay, Lord, I, I, you, I, you can have everything, but not this one. I mean, I'm giving you 99%. Can I keep the 1%? And God goes, okay, forget the 99%. I mean, you're willing to let go of it anyway. I want that 1%. And we would negotiate, and for him, with God, there is no negotiation, okay? But the more I relate with him, the more I grow in my relationship with him, the easier for me to obey when he says something to me. I struggle still, but, you know, I don't, I don't negotiate anymore. <laughs> Sometimes I still do, but not as much as I used to. But there is a greater response, Okay? There is a greater responsiveness in our hearts. And lastly, the spiritual disciplines puts us in a conducive place for us to receive God's grace and power for our lives. The praying man, somebody once said, a praying man stops sinning, but a sinning man stops praying. You see, it's not the prayer that will cause you to stop sinning. The prayer is your conduit to connect you to the power source. And when you're connected to God, that's where transformation takes place. It's not the prayer. It's what the prayer brings you. It's where the prayer leads you. It's where the Bible reading leads you. It's where the fellowship leads you. It's where generosity leads, leads you. It's where forgiveness leads you. See, when we respond to God, we, you know, we, are, we allow ourselves to be put in a place where we can receive His grace all the more. Not that we can earn those things, but we are more attuned to His grace. Okay? How many of you are attuned to your spouses? That you know how, what, how your spouses think. That in given situations, you go to your spouse, I know what you're thinking. And you just laugh. You know, some of you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because you're attuned to each other. But you know me as your pastor, but you're not attuned to me. You don't know what I'm thinking. 
right now, if I, if I look at you and I ask you, what am I thinking right now? You don't know what I'm thinking. My wife probably would have an idea because she's more attuned to me. <laughs> and that's what it is. We, are we need to be attuned to God. So what are, as we wind down, as we, as we finish this, let me give you some attitudes towards spiritual disciplines. See, Paul illustrates three pictures or three, uh, yeah, three pictures of disciplined vocations. And when he talked, to, when he spoke to Timothy, it was, it's the, the soldier, okay, um, the athlete, and the farmer. And these are disciplined vocations. The soldier is disciplined. How many of you soldiers served in the military before? I see. You see your hands? You served in the military? So part of your serving in the military is you had to go undergo what? Training. And what kind of training? Rigorous training, right? And that training brought a discipline to your life. My dad, he is going to be 84 years old. And he's still strong. He still works. He still drives to his office. He doesn't want to have any driver. He drives. Uh, he still works. He's strong because he's developed those, the discipline and he's, he, when he was in the military. After he has, he's got out of, gotten out of the military, he carried the discipline that he's, he's uh, learned from the military for the rest of his life. That's why he's very healthy. The soldier, the athlete is disciplined just like Steph Curry. I mean, you can't make those shots if you don't discipline yourself in, 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 uh, in practice, okay? And, and not, not eating the, the wrong kinds of food. The farmer is also a disciplined vocation because, you know, he knows when to plant. He knows when to wait. He knows when to sow. He knows when to reap. And he knows when to celebrate. And he knows when nothing's going to be there. It's discipline. Okay? It takes discipline. Waiting. Persevering through the season that you don't like. You see, and then here, focus. Can we go there? Focus. Uh, okay, we went ahead. So, Focus, devotion, and patient expectation are the proper attitudes we need to have towards the spiritual disciplines. We need to have focus, we need to have devotion, and we need to have patient expectations. That's the reason why I pray. It's not trying to get something from God, but I'm expecting that I would encounter Him. The reason why I read the Bible, I get to know God, and as I read Him, I will encounter Him in this, in this Word. Okay? And here, Peter said this uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2. Do we have that? Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may, you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter was talking about, he, was, he, he, was, uh, he wrote to Jews and Gentiles, uh, Gentile believers. And he spoke of the pure milk of the word and he said, here's your attitude. You should long for it. You should long for God's word. You should long for the things that bring you closer to God. Okay? Long, for, long crave for the pure spiritual milk of the word so that you will grow. And the result of that will be spiritual growth as well. Okay? 
So, salvation is the starting point of spiritual nourishment. Growth is a result of continuous nourishment. As you continue to get into the spiritual disciplines, get into the Word, get into the prayer, that is nourishing your soul, and that will put you in a place where you will receive the nutrients, that means the very life of God, and that's what's going to bring growth to your life. How many want to grow in your relationship with Jesus? Okay, let's move forward. Let's all stand as we end. And the main point I want to leave you with is this. At the very core of being a disciple of Christ is a self-disciplined way of life that leads to spiritual maturity and Christ-likeness. It's a disciplined way of life. And when you talk about being disciplined, how many of you were disciplined by your parents before when you were a kid? When you were kids? <clears throat> Some of you go, I'm already an adult. My mom still disciplines me. My mom. <laughs> but we all know discipline, right? How many of you love discipline? Oh, please, here, Dad, discipline me right here. Discipline me right here. No, we, we don't look for it. But when we receive it, do we like it? We don't like it. It's painful. But what does, discipline, what does discipline do to us? It corrects us. It actually saves us. It makes us wiser. We learn from it. And you see, the, fa- the Father, God is a Father, and He says, you know, Father's discipline children they love and we are his children that's why he disciplines us if we're not disciplined that means we are illegitimate children our fathers discipline us for our good okay and so here's the thing when you talk about discipline that means you yield when my dad disciplined me you know, we were not playing tag. <laughs> he was, you know, he got his belt. Come here, and then we would run around the house. No, no, no. My dad expects me to come. Come here. Lie down in front of me, so that I can spank you. That's surrender. And you see, here's the thing: if we learn to discipline ourselves. We don't have to be disciplined externally. You get that? We teach that to our children. If we, we teach that to our children, if, if we tell them, if you discipline yourself and you make the right choice, make the hard choices, but the right ones, you discipline yourself, you will save yourself from this pain. But if you do not discipline yourself, If you're undisciplined, then external discipline will come to teach you a lesson. And here's the thing. If we don't allow our fathers to discipline us, if we despise the discipline of our fathers, when we go out of our father's house, we will still be disciplined by the law or by by natural... uh, natural consequences and many times those are more painful 
You see, the discipline of the Father is always the best. And God wants us to be self-disciplined. He did not give us a spirit of fear. But he gave us a spirit of love, power, and of self-discipline. That means we tell ourselves, we say no to it. We don't have to wait for something bad to happen to us before we say no. We say no because we know it's wise to say no. And we will please the Father. And you see, when you have a son or a daughter like that, when, if you are a child who disciplines yourself, then you're, you will reap the benefits of the pleasure of your parents. And that means blessing and great relationship. You see, that's the same thing with God. When we learn to obey Him at, at His word, then we will reap the benefits of knowing His, His pleasure, living in His pleasure, and having His love become a reality more and more to us. Amen? That's why I love Jesus. Am I messed up? Yes, I'm messed up. I'm janked up. I'm not perfect. I'm messed up in so many ways. But He loves me nonetheless. He loves me just the same. Because I'm His, I'm his child. You see, if you're imperfect today, you're in good company. You're weak today, that's okay. God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. So come to Him. Allow Him to discipline you. Allow Him to disciple you. And allow Him to disciple you through others. And as we grow in our discipleship, we will grow in our relationship with God. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. Lord, we desire to move forward with you. Lord, no more negotiations, no more trying to get our way, not, no more trying to bargain that we would all... It'll only just favor, our relationship will just favor us. Lord, it's, it's a surrender. Lord, we surrender to you because you laid down your life. Lord Jesus, you laid down your life for us. And it's only but right for us to lay down our lives for you in surrender. We surrender to your love, Lord. And Lord, we, we, pray, that you would, we pray that you would overwhelm our hearts with your love that we would always pursue you with all our hearts, that we would desire to know you, that we would desire, Lord, to be in relationship with you at all times, that you would be the desire of our hearts. Lord, let it be, it, let it, Lord, help us to be able to say with the psalmist, together with the psalmist, who's, the psalmist who said, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you always. Lord, as you look at my, our lives right now, we're not perfect, but Lord, I pray that you would sanctify us. Well, that's going to happen as, as we surrender more and more. We yield more and more to you. Lord, it's all about a relationship. It's not about what we do. It's not about... Lord fulfilling a checklist of do's and don'ts. It's about knowing you. So Lord, I pray that our hearts would, would melt in the presence of your love, that we would give of ourselves to you.
Lord, we pray this. As we know you, Lord, you will reveal yourself to us and through us. You will reveal yourself to the world. We thank you for this, Lord, and we give you praise. We pray for you. I pray for your people right now that we would always yield to you, that we always respond to you. Lord, even with just knowing your wishes, your, your, your desire, we say, Lord, your, your wish is our command. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who would yield our hearts wholly to you. We thank you, Jesus. Let your blessing be upon your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me encourage you. Move forward with your relationship with Jesus. Don't settle where you are. Don't stay there. Don't think this is it. I mean, there's, there's so much more that you know, God has for you. So move forward in your relationship with Him. Amen?